And here we go on Wednesday's Law and Gospel Bible Study on this July the 15th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Uh, For many people, today is income tax day. In light of the virus, it was extended to then. And so people may be working on their income tax and perhaps listening to this particular program. We are going to be taking a look at the 13th evening lecture by C.F.W. Walther on Law and Gospel that occurred on January the 9th, 1885. We're, we're going on the basis of the evening lectures, and last week we took a look at thesis number eight. And what we looked at was the first part of thesis eight. We're now going to be looking at the second part. So let me read thesis eight. You are not rightly distinguishing law and gospel in the word of God if you preach the law to those who are already in terror on account of their sins, or the gospel to those who are living securely in their sins. So preaching the law to those who already have been hit by the law is inappropriate. Today we're going to be taking a look at how there are preachers who are preaching the gospel to those who are not really ready to hear it because they live securely in their sins. The 13th evening lecture also has a kind of a pre-talking as he gets into the main topic. And one of the things he says is, there are preachers in our day who stifle certain teachings that are offensive to worldly people. Now, regardless of their motivation, Walther says this is a great mistake. And we're seeing that a lot in regard to the preaching of the law. I mean, when was the last time that you heard in a sermon that you need to be talking to your children if they are for abortion or if they are leaning toward homosexual okay and authorization and this sort of thing. A lot of preachers are afraid to do that because they don't want to split the congregation. So, The first requirement of a good teacher is that they need to speak only the Word of God and the full Word of God, both the law and the gospel. The second requirement for a preacher, he must be, and Luther puts it, uh, Walter puts it this way, he must be high-spirited regarding his topic. What does that mean? That the people recognize that the preacher himself receives power from the Word of God, and it is part of the living faith of the preacher. Because, listen to John six sixty three. The Lord says, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. 
That doesn't mean that, therefore, people are converted by looking at the life of the preacher. But they are converted by listening to the words of the preacher. And I always like to use this example, that the words sometimes have a much greater impact than the life. And I'm speaking here about the prophet Jonah. Jonah was sent to the Gentile town of Nineveh. He didn't want to go. He jumped, ended up in the belly of a whale or a large fish. He was spit up on the ground. He then went to Nineveh. He preached for three days only, and the whole town repented of their sins. I guarantee you that Jonah was not high-spirited when he was preaching. In fact, if you recall, he went up on a mountain to see God destroy the town because he so hated the Gentiles. But God had taken his words, no matter how blasé that Jonah had preached them, and converted the hearts of these Gentile unbelievers. So it is important that a pastor give a lot of help to individuals by living a godly life. Uh, For example, on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be talking about worship nightmares. And I'm taking it off a program called Kitchen Nightmares, where a well-known chef goes to various restaurants and shows the people how terrible they are and why the restaurant is failing because of bad food, bad relationships, without good order, many, many reasons. And that's also true when it comes to worship. So it's very important that a preacher has a heart that loves the Word of God. That is why there are some preachers who may be less learned than other preachers. For example, I have four degrees behind my name, so I have done some uh, additional studies uh, to get those degrees. But there can be pastors that are better preachers than I am because they may not be as highly gifted and deeply learned as I am, but they have such a love for the Word of God that it penetrates into the hearts of the people, and they just say, boy, if this is that meaningful to him, I need to listen more closely to see what is taking place. So, C.F.W. Walter gives a couple of examples of uh, people. He starts with whom he considers the only scholar among the apostles. I don't know if you ever realize this, but most of the apostles were fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot, etc. But Paul was a scholar. He was a well-known Pharisee. He knew the Old Testament very well but he did not recognize Jesus in the Old Testament until he was converted by the Holy Spirit. Another example is Luther. Although he is considered a highly gifted man and well-learned, 
even when he knew the Bible pretty well, boy, he would not realize the message of the Bible concerning Jesus Christ. So, this is kind of a preamble to a continuation of Thesis 8, that it is wrong not to give the law to those who are secure in their sins. So, he wants to, in this evening lecture, continue to the second part of the thesis. He says, a lot of people preach in such a way that secure sinners in the audience. Now, what does he mean by secure sinners? These would be people in the congregation who are self-righteous enough in their own minds that they think that heaven is their home because they're not doing terrible sins. And therefore, they often hear a sermon and imagine that the comfort of the gospel, namely the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness from Jesus, is really not meant for them. They think that that comfort is not intended for them. And actually, there are a number of Bible passages that make that point. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 6, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. That is a really important verse. Walter goes on to explain it, that the holy thing, of course, is a message of the gospel of the forgiveness of sins. And do not give them to dogs. They're, they're not going to recognize it. Or to pigs. And what are those? Those are people who are wicked in their hearts, but they don't think they're that wicked. They don't think that they need Christ's righteousness because they're not that bad. They think they have unimportant sins. Oh, they may be guilty of them. But grass has grown over their sins. So we must not preach the gospel to such people. Because what we're doing, we're offering them God's grace. And remember the definition of grace. Grace is giving a person what he does not deserve. Justice is giving a person what they deserve. And mercy is not giving a person what they deserve. Well, that grace, how can you give someone who doesn't deserve to hear the grace because they still are in their sins? They're not repentant of their sins. They will not benefit of it. Proverbs 27, verse 7, is also used. One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Walter explains that. If uh, you go up to somebody who's just come out of a, a restaurant where maybe it's been a buffet and they can have all that they want, they're really full. And if you offer them, well, here's some honey for you. 
in a cup that you can have or some ice cream. They'll refuse it because they are full. Well, that's what this verse is talking about. They are so full of themselves in not thinking that they are sinners that they will not receive even honey of the gospel. Jesus Christ, that's how he preached. For example, he does not offer a drop of comfort to self-righteous Pharisees. He speaks against them, tells them they will not escape eternal damnation because they deny him as the Messiah. They deny their need for the forgiveness of sins. They deny their need for the righteousness that Christ can give them because they're righteous in and of themselves. And these are people who will put him to death for saying these things. So Jesus fearlessly tells them the truth, and then he endures the crucifixion. Now, it's rare that, especially in the United States, a pastor will be put to death or even beat up for speaking the word of God and the law. But proper pastors will feel the hatred of various groups of people. Uh, We spoke about that yesterday with Mark Smith, about the increase in the number of nuns. And what we mean by that is N-O-N-E-S. Young people who are just fed up with hearing the law of God's word. And therefore, when you ask them, what denomination do you belong to? They say, none. Notice, when Jesus is looking for people to come to him, he does say, this is Matthew eleven twenty eight, come all to me. But then, what is the all you need to continue? Who labor and are heavy laden. They're working, trying to stop themselves from sitting, and it's too heavy a burden. Those are the ones, the secure sinners, that Jesus is inviting to him. He he then uh, uses Mark 10. Remember that rich man? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus answers his question by giving him another question. What is written in the law? And the man says, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will have salvation. And how does a young man reply? All these I have kept. Does Jesus say, no, what you're lacking is faith? No. He's dealing with a miserable, secure, and self-righteous person. And he knows in advance that if he speaks about the gospel, that man will simply turn away from that message because he has too much love for his wealth. So one of the ways that we can do 
is we can always ask questions. Uh, for example, in Acts chapter 2, Walter points out, Peter in the Pentecost sermon began by accusing his hearers of murdering the Christ. That was law. Now, after a while, they asked, what can we do? And he then gave them the gospel, not about something they could do, but about something that could be done to them, namely by being baptized. And they received the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you take a look at the preaching of the apostles, it's similar. First, they preach repentance. Second, they preach the gospel. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 12, the apostle Paul writes to them, For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. You see, the people thought, well, he's going to come and preach the gospel. No, he's going to come and preach also the law. Because a week doesn't go by without every Christian falling into wickedness and sin. For example, it is time to lay down the law to people. And that's what we do in a proper sermon. We need to preach the law to secure sinners. How are we secure if we're Christians? Because we take a look at our life, uh, compare it to other people, and say, oh yes, uh, heaven is going to be my home. In fact, some Lutherans, when asked, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? They will answer, well, I'm not as bad as other people I know. And that shows their self-conceit. One way of Walter talking about this, we must first reduce a Christian to nothing by means of the law. In the sense, there's nothing you can do to win your way to heaven. Jesus talks about that, that we don't have anything to merit our way to heaven. Now, it's not that every person has the same amount of repentance. There are different degrees of repentance. Uh, we see that in Jesus' parable about the sower. Remember, he talks about those fast-track believers that hear the word of God, uh, takes root in them, their faith springs up rapidly, but they don't get profit from the word because of rocky places in their heart. Soon the sweet gospel is of no benefit to them at all. This also happened with Martin Luther. He admits that when he became a Christian, he did not understand the Bible all that well until the Holy Spirit enlightened him with the true light of Jesus Christ. 
another example is a man named Flacius, F-L-A-C-I-U-S. And many think he was the greatest theologian of his time, second only to Luther. But he got into a problem in teaching an incorrect understanding of original sin. And it wasn't until Luther was able to minister to him that he received the consolation of the gospel. And then you also have Johann Gerhardt. He was in deep anguish and sorrow for more than a year until his friend Johann Arndt, a wonderful theologian who wrote devotional materials, was able to heal him with the comfort of the gospel. In fact, if you take a look, it appears that almost all the great believers in the Old and New Testament, Walther says, they became great only after previously being made small and worthless by the word of God. Now, C.F.W. Walther gives a few testimonies from Luther. He says, for example, when you rebuke a person and he becomes angry with you, that shows he may not be a true Christian. For a Christian receives rebukes meekly, even if the rebuke is uncalled for. He may be innocent of the charge and then says, praise God, I am not guilty of it. But Lutherans and Christians are reckless, wild, and vulgar, he says. And that's because of his experience with people in his congregation. They often feel the gnawing of their sin, and they tremble at the wrath of God. And they say, boy, I am drowning in sin. There, there was a group following John Agricola who were antinomians. They said, you must not terrify people. You must not make them sorrowful, but you always preach to them only the gospel. Well, they were very good in preaching. In fact, this is what Luther says of the antinomians. These people are excellent preachers of the Easter truth, but miserable preachers of the truth of Pentecost. What's the difference? Well, Easter's talking about how Jesus died on the cross, forgave our sins, gave us his righteousness. Pentecost is explained we will never be perfectly sanctified in this life. Christ has gained for us not only his grace, but also the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that while there are some preachers who may adequately preach the gospel, they often don't adequately talk about how we are to attain faith. They'll say something like, just believe in Christ and you will be saved. The acts of the law, Walther says, must first come down on them. They conclude that when they hear a preacher preaching about faith, that, boy, 
that's something I have been doing, and I don't have to worry about my salvation. Deuteronomy 4.2, we are not to add to his word, nor are we to take away from it. That's also said in the book of Revelation. So taking away the law, we need to realize a lot of our people may not be doing outward sins, obviously, every week. But all of us have a saintly hypocrisy that we don't need what we think is necessary. And that kind of concludes the 13th evening lecture. Next week, we'll begin on the 14th. And as indicated, you need to tune in to tomorrow's Law and Gospel because with Wes Reimnitz, we're going to be talking about, boy, terrible nightmares of worship services. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.